0: welcome everybody back to another episode of the kentucky wildcast i am your host as always ryan story and returning this month as co-host is olivia ellis uh olivia is going to give us a a quick uh, pitch for joining us on staff senate Uh, we have elections coming up so olivia take it away
1: Howdy, everybody. It's Olivia from the Employee Engagement Committee. Thank you so much for listening. Now, have you ever thought, I wish I could help influence the policies and programs impacting university staff? Or, you know, I'd really love to have some leadership roles across campus at UK. Do you want to be the first to know about upcoming changes across campus? Or just get to know other staff members, faculty, administration, and just people in our community? Then why not be part of Staff Senate? nominations open april 1st and it's easy to to apply all you got to do is google UKY staff senate elections you're going to be directed to a form where you a supervisor a colleague can nominate you to be on staff senate you're going to have fantastic opportunities to make new connections get some really great leadership skills and make an impact on campus and beyond so come join us. We'd be happy to have you. And maybe you can even serve on the Employee Engagement Committee with us and help co-host this wonderful podcast.
0: And I will include a link for that, uh, that website that Olivia just mentioned in the show notes as well. I also want to do a quick plug, and that is for the vaccination clinic registration. So if you are a UK employee, you should have received an email invitation at this point. If you have not, make sure you follow up with your supervisor. Um, And I believe we're going to be starting to see some more community invitations, which actually brings us to our guest this month. Um, So this month we have Dan Grants. He is the Senior Director for UK Retail Pharmacy Services, and so we were excited to have him on, especially this month, because March does mark the one-year anniversary of the the time when everything in the world changed. Um, So as we're looking back on this year and what it means going forward, uh, we were excited to have Dan on the show. So welcome, Dan. Hey,
2: guys. Thanks for inviting me today.
0: We really appreciate you joining us. Uh, so just to start out, if you could just introduce yourself, um, we would love to hear a little bit about your role, and then maybe even how it's been, you know, more a little bit different since the pandemic changed.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So my my day job, so to speak, is really um, managing retail pharmacies. So I'm a pharmacist by trade, um, but I'm since I'm a, in a, a senior director role. I have a lot of direct reports and different pharmacies that are are, um, kind of like like a Walgreens or CVS, but we're actually based in the hospitals and the clinics here at UK. So we have over 250 people in the department that are working in various roles. So I guess for those of you, as a plug, if you're interested in working in pharmacies, we have a great opportunity here on campus for technicians, interns, and then pharmacists. But... Um, our pharmacies are pretty busy. We, we fill a lot of prescriptions for discharged patients out of the hospital. Uh, in the clinics, we are managing a lot of the appointments where people come in. And most of your audience is probably familiar with the University Health. Uh, we, we have a retail pharmacy there across from that location. So we have a lot of great services to offer. And um, our job is to really just make sure the patient experience for anyone who comes here to UK has, you know, they have a great. Uh, visit with their doctor. And then our job is to make sure they get the medications they need before they leave. And then, um, you know, we have the ability to, to deliver the drugs to them directly or, or mail them to them. So, um, but my job is to make sure operations run smoothly, that we're compliant. We have a lot of regulations to follow. So mostly uh, sitting at a desk, you know, managing people on site, you know, going there to make sure everything's running smoothly and then a lot of policy. So pretty boring in general until COVID. Um, I, I think as the, what we learned last year when, when COVID first hit, um, a lot of people didn't know what to do. And, and you may remember pharmacies were required to stay open while everyone else had to go home. So our staff were pretty nervous about that originally. And so we had to make some significant changes to our practice. Uh, a lot of times you, you look around and you see a lot of plexiglass, for example. Well, that was all new at the time. We were trying to figure out how are we going to protect our, our staff and still uh, provide services without getting shut down ourselves. So we incorporated a lot of uh, barriers. We tried to uh, physically separate people as best we could. And we used masks and in the in the plexiglass barriers, of course. But what really grew out of that, we started to come up with some innovative uh, delivery design. So we created the curbside delivery model, which most of you are ex- familiar with, with, uh, you know, restaurants and things. But for us, it was new. So we had to, you know, figure those things out. As we progressed, uh, we, we started uh, sending people home that were what we call non-essential, you know, if they're like working in the back office, for example. And we had to figure out with technology how to do that. But, but uh, really, you know, that worked out pretty well until the vaccine became available. So most of you Uh, The recent uh, events around around Christmas time, uh, one of the first products came to market. And so uh, I was working with UK Healthcare, and we were trying to figure out how in the world are we going to obtain this new vaccine? Uh, The storage requirements were in these negative 80 degree uh, freezers, which we didn't really have. We had to purchase. So we had to figure out how to obtain those. We also had to have a team ready to mobilize to actually administer the vaccines. So the good news for us, we, we've been doing uh, vaccinations for for quite a while. Uh, pharmacists by trade, uh, we, we provide a lot of flu shots and other immunizations as part of our day-to-day uh, service. So we, we we weren't really too concerned with the training. It was more about the logistics. So if we have the the state of Kentucky, for example, we have 4 million people here in the state, then the question is how in the world are we going to help administer that many vaccines? and as Dr. Stack and, and Bashir started thinking through uh, some supply chain logistics, uh, we were one of the first hospitals to obtain the Pfizer product, which had these uh, big storage requirements. So we have, uh, bought some, some uh, negative 80 degree freezers. We, we, we purchased two of them uh, to put in two different locations. And then as phase 1A started, uh, those were a lot of our UK healthcare employees. We were able for the first time to just kind of get a workflow down that allowed us to administer the vaccine timely and effectively. And uh, gosh, the rest is history. Now we're out here at Kroger Field and we're administering over uh, 4,200. It's, it's around 4,200 doses per day. And so uh, there's a lot of things that occur between you know, Jan- December when we first gave that uh, Pfizer vaccine around Christmas time to now, but wow, uh, the impact we've had on the state. We're, we're actually the largest immunizing clinic in the state, and there's a lot of talk, but maybe one of the best in the country. Uh, we had the, one of the Pfizer reps as a local uh, pharmacist who used to work here at UK, actually. He did a lot of the training for our staff, and uh, he came here on site earlier this week and had a lot of questions about it because he would like to to kind of write up what we've done out here and, and publish a lot of the the workflows and things.
1: Now, I've just got to know personally how did it feel when you found out that there was a vaccine that was approved and was finally going to be available to the public? You know, obviously in stages, but you know, how did that feel when you when you started hearing that happening?
2: Oh wow! Yeah, that was a very exciting time, and you know, a lot of times you go, you a lot of you're in school right now, and you're thinking about your careers and and how you want to impact other people's lives. And I think what really hit home for us is the fact that we could actually contribute to getting us out of the pandemic, and with our expertise and our access to resources, and uh, and really pulling all those together. Uh, Man, I mean, here we are. We think, you know, by the end of May, we might be through, um, I, I'm not going to say a large group, but Dr. Fauci believes that, that the vaccine will be available to almost everyone in the United States by the end of May, and, and we're contributing to that. And I don't think we ever could have done this without the help of so many groups around uh, UK campus, uh, UK healthcare, and, and especially All the people behind the scenes from IT to uh, environmental services, cleaning and and the the UK Police Department has really helped out with, uh, you know, the workflow and logistics here at the stadium. Uh, So many great people to thank and um, and a lot of hard work and dedication has gone into it. But that was a very exciting time for us. We were definitely nervous to answer your question again uh, a different way. The nervousness was around how, because this hasn't been done before at this on this scale. So uh, in December and January, I think we learned a lot about providing vaccines to our own UK healthcare staff to help um, springboard us to now uh, where we can do it on a larger scale efficiently.
1: Yeah, it's probably kind of helpful that by the nature of it being a pandemic, you were able to really knock out any kinks or bumps in the road with that smaller subset of people. And then now, like you said, we are getting national recognition that the University of Kentucky and the pharmacies at the University of Kentucky are leading the charge across the country of getting people vaccinated. So thank you to you specifically. And then obviously, all of the people volunteering at the Kroger clinic, um, every, all of everyone in the hospital and the healthcare networks First responders, everything. Like this is, you all have held us together. Like you said, you all are really making that impact to change the world and to save lives.
0: Speaking of that, uh, I've been, I honestly have been so proud uh, to be, to just to be an employee at UK and being, being able to tell friends that live out of state or even just friends in state, like UK has really been a really important part of. Kentucky getting vaccinated and especially, you know, our community, what do you think the biggest factor for the success has been like, what do you think has, has
2: been able to, to allow us to be, you know, one of the leaders? Yeah. I think it starts with our people. Um, before we got into the point where we're, we're talking about vaccinations. Um, I think it's important that you don't forget about when, when we first had to open up our hospitals to those, those first COVID positive patients. I mean, you talk about a scary time, um, you know, the, the first time those patients walked in, you know, a lot of people were really, I mean, most people are afraid, right? They're just, they're scared to be around it. We don't know what to do. The difference in our UK healthcare team is they're built for this. And you'll hear them talk a lot about that. The, the, the way we, we use, um, control measures to prevent disease and we have, uh, isolation rooms and can, and. Uh, a lot of procedures and personal protective equipment and things that, um, that we had to use to, to provide care. Um, it wasn't so much that we weren't ready for it. I think we were, we were built for this, we were ready for it. But the issues that we started to run across, things like, hey, we're out of gloves. We can't get more personal protective equipment. Um, you know, there was a shortage and that was a national shortage, not just here locally. So we had to get really creative, and so um, what? What some people aren't aware of, we had conversations with local distilleries, uh, the breweries. You know, we have a lot of, you know, Kentucky's kind of known for bourbon, right? Well, um, we actually reached out to those bourbon companies who changed their distilleries into uh, hand sanitizing producers. So they they converted their uh, labs, so to speak, to help us make. Hand sanitizer on a large scale to help really protect the general public. Um, in the research areas, we had them building—you um, know—masks were on a shortage, so we we were they were coming up with kind of creative uh, ways to to use like 3D printers and, and things like that to make um, masks to give to our healthcare workers. Andy Bashir was talking about, hey, you can make masks for people. If you go use common products. So we had literally the community donating, um, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of personal protective equipment, supplies and and, uh, personal masks and things. And honestly, I think they rallied around the teams that kept us going. Um, They had long hours. There was a lot of um, of people had to, you know, they couldn't be with their families if they treated these COVID patients. So they had to turn around and, you know, they would go home and, and you know, they would have to, uh, you know, separate their clothes, for example, maybe not even stay in the same rooms as their families, or they might stay in a hotel to prevent the spread to their families, it was a very isolating time. And, and for the patients in the hospital, oh my gosh, you just wouldn't believe the stories of, of how sick these patients were on these machines and their family members couldn't be with them. So the nurses became their family. That was their only connection to the outside world um, because the nurse was the only one in a bubble suit who could come in. So the loss of touch and, you know, healing is more than just medicine. It's, it's actually personal. And I think, you know, you start talking about the heroes. uh, I mean, it, it does kind of hit me a little bit, but it's, it's really, uh, a, they went through a lot. So apologize. there. Sorry.
1: Oh no, no need to apologize for tears and emotions. It's the reality of the past year and three months that we've been in. And I, you know, I think, like you said, healing is a lot more than just medicine. And I, you know, I, we're, we're all going to be healing from this for a really long time, you know, mental health, physical health are everything's so interrelated. And so a quick plug for anyone listening that if you have been struggling with mental health through COVID, even post COVID, you've got your vaccination, whatever, take that seriously, you know, reach out to a therapist, reach out to your doctors. There's no shame at all in seeking those that that help because this is going to be impactful for a long time. It hits a lot of our heartstrings. Um, so heal, healing's all we can do and taking care of each other. So uh Dan don't yeah i absolutely with you it it hits the heartstrings for sure
0: thank you so much for for sharing that and i'm you know i'm so grateful for the, all the healthcare people that have been on the front lines for literally an entire year nonstop um it's it's really really cool to hear the behind the scenes of that part um so moving moving forward toward like more towards the future maybe some more hopefully some more positive i feel like feel like we've we've really looked at at where we've been in the low points but it 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 definitely feels like we are on the uptick the the numbers are going down which is so great um as as a pharmacist as someone who has you know studied a lot of this and understands so much of this what significance do you think that this not only this pandemic, but the vaccine and the the level of research that has been put into this will have on public health in the future.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great question. We currently have seven manufacturers all scrambling to make um, COVID vaccine, and they they're using different technologies to do that. So, in the pharmacy industry, and, and uh, in I think what we're seeing is some innovative techniques on on a large scale to produce, uh, vaccines in new and effective ways that are reliable. Um, and to see the government in the States and the local healthcare industries coming together, I think, uh, from a pharmacist perspective, we really haven't seen that, uh, recently. I mean, it's, it kind of took a pandemic to bring all of those things together for a common goal, but boy, when they did it, it really, uh, it looked great. I know there've been some struggles getting the vaccine in timely for different States uh, specifically, but in general, they've done a really good job of, of making it an organized process. And I think what's, what's important for you to know, you know, we're not billing for these vaccines. Like we're, we're every, everybody that you see here, they're volunteers. Um, the cost of the drug is basically being covered by the government. Uh, we we're not in this for money or anything like that. It's it's really a, about just making sure we get the shots in the arms of the people to protect us. And right now in Kentucky, uh, we're, at, I think, one in four uh, Kentuckians have been vaccinated now. That's a pretty good number. But you hear a lot about uh, herd immunity. And to get to that herd immunity, we need closer to 70%. So I would encourage you to talk to your family members. There may still be some skepticism about you know, do I need a vaccine? Is this real? Are they just trying to, you know, is this like a government conspiracy? I mean, there's all kinds of things out there. Um, what I want to just say is from uh, is a, is an industry or a pharmacy leader. I think you just need to understand a lot of that is kind of bogus where our focus is on getting a reliable product into, into the marketplace to to help protect the general public and especially the most vulnerable. So my career, I haven't seen a group of nurses and, uh, you know, government officials and and uh, a lot of these other leaders really come together for a common goal. That was really nice to see. And I hope that continues. I think a lot of great relationships have been built uh, over the last several months while we've been going through this.
0: That's awesome. I, I, I I'd continue to hear not only from the healthcare side, but also from the academic side, just that our our community is like the reason that people come to uk the reason that people that stay at uk and it's it's honestly been really cool doing this podcast hearing that from every level i mean i i've heard it from from everyone that we've talked to like you know everyone says you know what is it about uk and they always say the people and so just continuing to hear that 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 is true across the board is is really awesome um one more pandemic question and then we want to learn a little bit more about you but we have to take this advantage to get some some expert advice um so in your opinion and i know that you're not going to say too much about this because you don't want to you don't want to go on record too much but what does the next year look like march 2022 you know what what can we look forward to hopefully some good news but as as someone who knows a little bit more about this
2: yeah. So I think if you're you're look at March 2021 and fast forward to March 2022 um, and in between, I think you're going to see a systematic change back to a, a new normal. I think the new normal will still include people who would like to wear masks. I think some people are, are still comfortable with that, with wearing them. They may not wear them as much as they do now, but I think hand sanitizing and washing the hands and a lot of the things that we've tried to promote from the health industry for a while to prevent the spread of disease. I think there's uh, such a, you know, I I think those things are going to continue. I think things like curbside delivery and mobile deliveries, and I'll say the Amazon kind of model, I think the industry is probably going to continue to look a little bit more mobile um, and um, virtual where people can deliver products to your home. Now, for example, as opposed to you, going out to the, to go to the grocery store and pick it up yourself. Yeah. I have a daughter who actually is, is a daycare worker and you don't even think about this, but she says that the children and she runs the the kids that are less than a year old. And so they were born during the COVID pandemic. They've only seen their, their teachers wearing masks. So they recognize you by your eyes and you don't think about that, but Think about our children and what they've had to go through. They've been isolated, but they've also been home with their families more. So I think before the COVID pandemic hit, there was a lot, this big rat race. Everybody was going, going, going. And, and I think families sort of fell behind. So my hope is that family starts to become more um, of a priority. I think um, people appreciate personal touch, for example, a hug as opposed to, you know, only being able to see virtually. Um, and so I think over the course of the summer months, you'll you'll start to see us get back to normal. They, they might ask you if you've been vaccinated, for example, before they'll let you in. You know, I'm not sure if that's the case, but um, but I, I do believe a year from now um, we will be out of this pandemic phase where, where you see the um, you know, isolation and required people to separate and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's that's what I envision but again I can't predict the future
1: you hit so many high points that I'm hoping for like I hope curbside pickup stays forever like that is one of the best things to come you know one of the best like superficial things to come from the pandemic response I absolutely I really hope that that we see kind of a shift in mentalities about like you know stay being at home and spending time with family and friends and you know, prioritize being human over being an employee and trying to, like you said, rat race to the top and, you know, do all these things for success. Um, And the hugs, oh my gosh, I, I got married in October and we, tiny little wedding. And one of my, my best friends came from out of state and we did this as safe as possible, but we hugged and it, it was just like one of those moments where she was one of the only people I'd hugged other than my now husband. And it was that physical contact. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, yes. And now me and my closest friends are vaccinated because of our, you know, we're in that one seat group. And once we hit that two week mark, we're already like, you know, ha- luckily uh, Dr. Fauci and the CDC have said, you know, if you're vaccinated and you feel comfortable, you can hang out in private with a mask off. And when I tell you that our text messages are, I cannot wait to hug you because I've only hugged my husband. I, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for that. So Dan, I think you are right there with everybody else on curbside hugs, family time. Uh, I, you've made my day a little bit brighter just by like hearing what you are hoping to see in the next year.
0: I tell your husband that you don't think his hugs are enough.
1: He know we've already <laughs> talked about it. He knows he gives good hugs, but you know, sometimes you need a hug variety.
0: That's true. You need you need a friend hug. Yeah. Um so moving a little bit away from vaccines and pandemic to learn a little bit more about Dan the man, um can you tell us a little bit about just the things that you're passionate about outside of outside of your job outside of UK?
2: Yeah. Um this is a funny story cuz I tell this to all my incoming employees, but I said, you know, what's one, one thing that's interesting about yourself. And I'm actually a high school softball coach here locally. And what's, you know, I have two in in Lafayette. Okay. Yeah. That's where I went. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's a good school, right? (laughs) Yeah, it is a great school. So, and the reason I bring it, I've got two daughters that are older. One's actually a senior now. And uh, my my other daughter's playing basketball. Uh, She's a sophomore there. And then I've got a son who's in middle school. you you try to balance, you know, a career and and family. And I think it's important that you try to figure out a way to, to, um, to make time for them. So my passions include mostly family related things. So going to, to their athletic events and hanging out with uh, extended family, of course with COVID that's, that's been a little bit of a challenge, but when we could, we would try to take vacations or, or go see them on holidays, all those, those uh, types of things. Um, like to travel a little bit as well, but, you know, it's usually it's traveling with the kids going to the games. Right. So uh, staying in hotels on the weekends and, and getting to know them and their friends and families. So you build a, a network of, I'll say, dads and moms, you know, we, we all get to hang out. So that's that's a great time for us as um, as parents and, and just to see them really participate. in it doesn't have to be sports. Just anything is always uh, kind of rewarding to see them succeed in whatever it is they're doing. So those are my passions outside of pharmacy so.
0: Did you play any sports in high school?
2: Oh yeah. Um, I'm from Louisville originally. Um, and I grew up playing, you know, in the old days, you didn't have like one sport. You did a, a little bit of everything. So I played basketball and and football and, uh, and uh, baseball growing up. So, um, the one thing that I was kind of proud of is, uh, when I played football in, in high school, uh, played for male high school at the time, we were able to, to kind of get to the state tournament every year and you got to go in a big stadium and see the big crowds come. So those are, those are kind of my, my lasting memories of, of high school athletics back when we used to play. But I really love sports and of course, watch a lot of sports being in Kentucky. Of course, basketball is a yeah, passion.
0: Maybe not this so, year,
2: uh, but <laughs> yeah, that's right. But uh, yeah, I've followed, I feel very connected to Kentucky um, athletics just because when I think of all the fun times I've had in general, they're usually revolving around different games or different events that UK has. And and so those, those have been really fun memories.
1: So could I assume then that your favorite room in your house is the one with the biggest TV to watch all the games?
2: Oh, every room has a TV. I mean, let's face it. We, we don't want to miss any games, uh, unfortunately, but. But no, yeah, it's uh, re- really hanging out with the family and, and watching games. That I, we've kind of taught them how to watch games too. So, you know, they, they like to watch with us. Yeah. So hopefully we'll pass that down to the next generation.
0: It, it's usually a legacy thing. <laughs> I, I've gotten that from my parents and grandparents. So,
1: my dad and my, like my, fam- my mom, man, but like my parents love watching sports, UK sports, pro sports, whatever um basketball and football especially and i i just don't care um you know like i work at uk and i hope for the general success of uk athletics and uk sports and teams and students especially but i i do i don't even know when they play like we had a staff senate main body session uh, a week or two ago and uk was playing i guess in the last game to potentially qualify for march madness and I had no idea. And I feel (laughs) sometimes I feel like an outlier. I'm like, well, I hope they win, but I don't know how they're doing. So it's, it's really, I think that
0: definitely makes you an outlier in the UK community. And I'm
1: from Eastern Kentucky. And so in where I'm from, your loyalties are like to your high school, like whatever high school you went to and then the university of Kentucky. And so it was always so bizarre, just like being the one person who was, who was like, Okay. I understand sports. I've played soccer. I've played basketball. I know like the rules of football. When I was a kid, I would play football with friends and everything, but I, I just have no specific loyalties. I just hope for success of our teams.
0: Well, maybe we can, maybe we can sway you eventually keep you here long (laughs) enough.
1: Maybe. (laughs)
0: So uh, Dan, we've, we kind of try to name each episode based off of each person and their personality. So we've had, we, what we do is I ask everybody if there's one word to describe yourself, what would that word be? And I'll give you a second to think we've had uh, a couple of, a couple of different answers. We had uh, driven, we've had empath and we've had optimist. So those are the three that we've had so far so if you had if you had one word to be able to describe Dan what would it be
2: Well you actually said it my nickname is Dan the man so oh. I have to say uh, that that actually fits and it's not <laughs> it's sort of funny you say that it's not because you know you're asking for a, for something totally different but but the reason I say that is I just try to be myself I try to be um, real kind of uh, down to earth, genuine. try to, to meet the needs of, of other people. And I would say I'm I'm pretty selfless. You'll see me try to um, give back as much as I can to other people. So um, to the youth, you know, for through coaching or through my, my kids, just trying to give back to them or my family or, or friends um, as much as I can. So I just try to be selfless and I'll just kind of stick with that. But um you know it's hard to lead other people if you can't do it yourself. You know, do you, you've got to you, you've got to represent something and give a vision for other people if you want them to lead or if, if you want them to follow you. And I think just trying to set an example is really what I try to do throughout throughout each day. If if I can't do it today, then I, I you know I shoot to do that the next day or I try to continuously improve. And nobody's perfect. I think it's 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 really easy to try to change people, but that's we we spend so much time doing that we we quit thinking about what who am I like what am I how what is my place in in this world or this role or profession or in school. Um, and each each person has their own unique talents. So a lot of things that I'm not good at, I have to rely on other people. Um, I'm not going to admit to being the best at, at everything. There's just no way. So I try to stick to my talents and my skills, and then I rely on others to fill in those gaps for me um, to help me out when I need help. And I, I think that's that's important. You know, it's it's always nice to self-reflect, but it's it's more important to just um, just kind of be yourself. I think more more than anything.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I I think we'll we'll probably go with the title Dan the Man, Selfless. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll try and get both in there. Well, we can do whatever we want. It's our podcast. Right? Sure. <laughs> um. So this this podcast, uh, the Wildcast, is really about featuring people at UK who make the impossible possible. I feel like you fit that mold perfectly because you are you are a big part of the reason why we are having so much success with the vaccine. Um, and something we'd like to ask everybody is who's somebody, uh, somebody on your staff or somebody that you work closely with that you feel like fits that mold that just somebody that you feel like maybe doesn't really get as much recognition as they should.
2: That that's a very tough question to answer. So many people, uh, fit that definition. I I could, I mean, I could come up with a a reason for each one of them. Um, so I, I'm gonna have to defer that one. I Okay. I, don't wanna does really to leave anybody out. I, I'm I gonna leave totally so many understand. people out that that I can't I can't make that statement, but I will tell you that everybody that, that I've worked with closely contributes in some form or fashion and, and they've all gone above and beyond. Um, so I'm really I'm really proud of of the team. And and I'll extend that to I mentioned earlier the campus, the UK police department all the people that are working on this project. And I know we, we were talking COVID earlier, not necessarily now, but to see the the camaraderie and so many people from so many different professions come together for a common goal is just, it's really um, gives me hope uh, for the future and to see what we've, what we're able to achieve here and knowing that we could do anything if we could pull this off. So, um, so I encourage you guys to really, take that to heart and, and know you, there's really no limits to what you can achieve if you just put your mind to it.
1: Perfect. I was going to ask, um, since, you know, you do have this chance to kind of speak to those people that, uh, that have been surrounding you during this. Is there anything that you, you want to say to them, you know, like pretend Ryan and I aren't here and you know, oh, yeah. do you want to think of Like, what do you want to say to them?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of, I'm, I'm going to make a a little bit longer spiel here, but I I think it'll make sense. So I had individuals who came in on Christmas Eve to give vaccinations to people uh, who are employees so that we didn't lose those doses. I've had um, people within the campus come together and spend long hours on nights and weekends. And, and uh, when the ice storm came, we had to, uh, make decisions on whether or not to close campus. So we're meeting at 5 a.m. in the morning with those individuals and we're and we're trying to make a determination to give Dr. Um, you know, Dr. Capoludo an answer. Hey, are we going to close the campus today? Or are we going to close the the vaccine clinic today? And and our people were involved in those decisions. And I thank them for including us uh, because we couldn't have done it without them. But then thinking to the nurses, I've had so many nurses that work in the hospital and in the clinics. And they said, you know, I've, I've heard of you and I've never got to really meet you and get to know you. And we would spend hours together in these clinics and just get to know their families and get to have conversations with them. And now when we see them in the hallway, it's not like, Oh, that's just another nurse or a face I recognize they, they actually under, they know you. And, and I think to have thousands of employees come together like that, um, in, in, in a way that is beyond the traditional employee-employer uh, type relationship. Um, we even saw our, our uh, healthcare administrators giving vaccinations. Those individuals, uh, if they had the skill set, they would come and, and perform those functions. And if they couldn't, they would ask, what can I do? And so they would help us with either organizing or planning or, or uh, providing resources for us um to make things happen and so those individuals and they know who they are but the you know i've got one sitting here right next to me right now and she's she's been here every day that we've had the clinic out of Krogerfield wow and she's opened it and and closed it almost every day and her family has come in to help her uh, we've tried to help her you know but she's just so passionate about what she's doing that she knows she's making a difference and it's you don't get many opportunities to do that, so it's really hard to say you don't you, you don't want to perform those duties when they, when you have the opportunity. So I think just going down the list of people from marketing to IT, the guys who help build the uh, computer systems that we're using today, I mean those guys have spent endless hours building, designing, troubleshooting giving access to people who were volunteering. Um, and then our leaders were meeting behind the scenes with other folks, trying to put together workflows and, and uh, I'll say policies, but, you know, you got some compliance things we had to, to deal with. And our police department, you don't realize the, the impact that they're having on the stadium out here, but, but they're man, they're manning the traffic. Uh, they're, they're pushing wheelchairs. They're, um, you know, directing people and answering their questions and where to go and what to do. They're turning on the heaters for us and turning them off at night. Um, The list goes on and on. Our pharmacy team members have also just, they've come offline to do this work every day. And so while they're doing their day jobs, they'll come at night and work till seven o'clock, for example, or they'll come in Saturdays or they'll come in. We'll open up at 6 a.m. and start drawing up doses from six to eight and then they'll go off to work. Um, And nobody sees that. And I think it's important that it's said and that um, people around us under, I don't want to say appreciate that, but it's, you almost can't do it enough. It's, it's amazing. So again, sorry, but I've seen it firsthand and, and they're really doing a great job. So proud of
0: them. Yeah. We're it's, it's great to see just how, how passionate people are and just seeing, seeing the passion that you have for your people. It's, uh, it's, it's really awesome.
1: To, you know, kind of switch gears one final time, um, and ask my, one of my personal favorite questions on the whole show, Dan, what are you having for dinner tonight?
2: Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, my wife has, has, uh, been able to work from home and Thursdays are her days at home. So, Um, I'm looking forward to a good uh, home-cooked meal because she's, again, she's been a great mother and and wife to everybody. So, I mean, she's just, you know, she's just doing normal things, but she'll make dinner tonight. And I actually honestly don't know (laughs) what's on that menu. I don't necessarily – Just something good and home cooked.
1: That's right.
2: We'll make suggestions, but uh, yeah, any any home cooked meal is a good one for me.
1: Nice. I think we're having some bone in pork chops, uh, roasted asparagus, some roasted carrots. I'm I'm on vegetable duty, and my husband's on pork chop duty. But the vegetables are always the best part because they're my favorite part. So I'm also excited for a home cooked meal tonight.
2: I think
0: Uh, sounds wonderful. I think we're doing some some Greek chicken with uh with some salad and couscous. So. Everybody's having some home-cooked dinners this Thursday. So uh, everybody, I want to make sure that you know how to sign up for the vaccine. Um, so I'm actually going to have the uh, senior director of UK Pharmacy have, uh, explain that for you. So Dan?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So if you just uh, do a quick search for ukvaccine.org, you will see a landing page where you can go and register for a vaccine. When you click the link, it'll ask you some personal information to fill out, of course. Uh, but if you'll finish the questionnaire and hit submit, that will go to um, a queue where then we prioritize. <clears throat> As we were doing each phase, uh, we we try to get the sickest patients in first. But you will receive a notification at that time where you can schedule your appointment. And we make the appointments at about a week or two in advance. So when you get the, that invite, you'll have plenty of flexibility in your schedule to find a time that works for you. Also, the uh, clinic is open right now, uh, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., and, and on Saturdays, uh, we've been open from 9 to 6, but I think we're going to pull that back to 9 to 1, and I, uh, I will say that we are uh, going to be closed the day before uh, Easter next week, so uh, for those of you trying to make appointments, please just, uh, just be aware of that.
1: Now, I know there is also an opportunity for, for people to volunteer at the Kroger Field Clinic. Would you like to give any information on that?
2: Yeah, actually, uh, if you go to the same link, so ukvaccine.org, if you scroll down a little bit further, there's a, uh, a section of that page where you can uh, volunteer. So it's a volunteer form link, and if you fill that out, um, you can give us, again, your your uh, personal information there so we can reach back out to you. And um, we for those individuals who are like credentialed like nurses, physicians, pharmacists, um, it does have a, a drop down box for different types of license. You're, uh, you might have to submit some proof that you're a, a nurse, for example, or a, or a PA or whatever. Uh, so once you once you submit that form, it goes into our queue, and we'll have someone that reach, will reach out to you to connect and find a time that works for your schedule. And, again, we'll take uh, any type of volunteers. You don't have to be a, a clinical person to volunteer. We need people at registration, for example, or wayfinders and, and things like that. So there's a lot that anyone can do and help us with, uh, regardless of your background or experience. So if you go to that volunteer form at ukvaccine.org, you can uh, register.
0: I know our department is actually having a day where we're like all volunteering. So if anybody else is having those, I definitely encourage you guys to volunteer and help us continue to get that vaccine out there. Uh, Dan, uh, it has been truly an honor to to get to have this conversation with you. Um, seeing your passion for what you do and the care that you have taken Uh, with your staff and with everybody at UK Uh, I think all all of us employees want to say thank you Uh, and I I think this will be really cool for a lot of people to hear Uh, so thanks so much for joining us
2: yeah absolutely and thank you for what you're doing because I know podcasts are, are an important thing a lot of people are trying to stay connected and I think these podcasts are definitely a way you can you can connect them so I appreciate the work you guys are doing Great job, Ryan and Olivia. Uh,
0: so that that was a fantastic conversation. Um, again, want to say thank you to Dan from College of Pharma or from UK Pharmacy for joining us. It was uh, really really cool to hear all those stories and everything. Uh, Olivia has a little bit of information. A, a couple more UK announcements.
1: Yeah, so, you know, every episode we try to wrap it up with something interesting happening at at UK or a way to get involved. So this month, I wanted to highlight Community Supported Agriculture or CSA. This is a really great initiative uh, that the University of Kentucky kind of partners with local farms. And if you don't know what, what this is, CSA farmers offer a limited number of their produce shares for anyone in their local area to purchase in advance. So when you purchase a share from a farm and it's like a basket, um, a bushel, you know, it could be uh, it could be zucchini, squash, strawberries, carrots. It just eggs. It just kind of depends on the farm you choose. Um, But you become a member of that farm and membership means that you get a box of local and organic vegetables, sometimes fruit and other products. You get to you get to know your local farmers. You get to learn where your food comes from, and they also send you tips, recipes, and invitations to workshops so you can learn more ways to use and store your produce. Now, this is a great opportunity on its own, and in the description we'll have a link to how you to, to read more about this opportunity. And if you are a UK employee, UK HR Health and Wellness is offering one and two hundred dollar vouchers towards the cost of a CSA share. These vouchers can really make a difference and it's a fantastic way to get more vegetables in your diet. I personally love vegetables and I am more than happy to get into the CSA this year. So I really encourage you to go and look at the different offerings, the different farms, pickup locations, the sizes and everything. And if you have any questions, uh, UKHR Health and Wellness is fantastic at clearing anything up. So check it out, support your local farmers and Enjoy some good food.
0: Thank you so much, Olivia. Uh, finally, please send your nominations to me, rkst222 at uky.edu. Uh, if there's anyone are, around your UK circle that feel, you feel like is just somebody who makes the impossible possible, like Dan or Holly or John or Christy, uh, they've all been great conversations. We We need as many as you can send. So send those all to me. Uh, you can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Overcast, most of the podcatchers out there. I want to say thank you one more time to Dan for joining us, uh, and thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, continue to share this uh, show with your friends and with your UK friends. Uh, we feel like we can, we can do a lot of good by uh, making as many people at UK more humanized as possible. Uh, So join us next, next month for another great conversation on the Kentucky Wildcast.